Hey, everybody. Welcome to Alumless. Thank you so much for tuning in. Glad to have you on the show today. It's a special episode, a bonus episode of Alumless. We're recording today on Tuesday the 14th, but today when you're listening to this, it is Friday the 17th, about a week before Thanksgiving. Uh, we thought we would, we got an announcement to make today, a great yeah, big news. guest, which we're excited about. And, um, you know, we're, we're taking some time off before or for the Thanksgiving holiday. We won't be back in feeds until the second week of December. So we thought, you know what? Let's get another episode of Alumless in people's feeds. We know how rabid our fans are and how much they'd miss <laughs> having Alumless on their feed on Friday at 1130. So uh, we're, we're here and we're excited to have you listening, tuning in. Uh, we will be checking in on the comments section today since we are not broadcasting live. If you have any questions for Chris or myself or our special guests today, Kim Infanti from uh, Syracuse University, we're thrilled to have the opportunity to chime in on those. Uh, before we get too far, I want to make sure to introduce our fantastic presenting sponsor. We as engagement pros are always thinking about how to create more volunteer opportunities. Reason for that is that volunteers give at two or even three times the rate. This is important, particularly for those alumni leaders working in integrated advancement models. We're trying to create a pipeline of donors. At the same time, students throughout their educational journey have questions and could use advice from alumni. As engagement pros are asked to figure out ways to make the alumni network available from prospective student to former student and develop partnerships across campus that will showcase in real terms how valuable the alumni network can be. So that's what Protopia solves for without requiring alumni or students to sign up for another app or a platform. Protopia's AI-powered technology activates alumni and turns them into volunteers in a flash. Students and alumni seeking advice are connected while removing the administrative burden to the staff. Protopia is the tool you've been looking for. Visit protopia.co forward slash alumnus and be sure to mention that Ryan and Chris sent you. All right. Chris, it is good to see you, sir. Um, I am glad to have Kim on the show today. Kim and I have known each other for quite some time. And of course, you've worked with Syracuse University uh, recently as, as a client with our friends mm -hmm. at Washburn and McGoldrick. But, you know, Kim is the executive director uh, of digital engagement in the Office of Alumni Engagement and Annual Giving. And so we're going to talk about digital engagement today, one of my very most favorite topics. So let me ask you just this sort of topical to get us started. When I say the phrase digital engagement, what comes to mind? I have to share um, first the second thing that comes to my mind, which is Kim Infanti. But the first thing that comes to my mind, and I don't think she'll be offended by this, is Andrew Gosen. Um, I had the chance to hire Andrew back in 09, I think, at, at Cornell University, and he's still there doing amazing things and sort of you know, the th perceived as the thought leader in this space. But if you were going to put a Mount Rushmore up, I'd put Andrew right next to her, or her next name would be Kim, uh, of people who think about digital engagement and, and this space. I always, I used to think about his, the, the main takeaway I had from uh, many, many things I learned from him, but the, the one that sort of jumps out at me, I use to this day is, um, you know, if you do online engagement well, it'll lead to offline engagement and vice versa. So uh, the, if, you, if, you, if you think about it and as part of a continuum, it's not just a standalone thing. It's not his own strategy. It's a piece of a broader strategy is how he, how he thought of it. Yeah. You know, and digital engagement is, is not a new thing, of course, right? Sure. We really had a kind of a ramp up of digital engagement and needing to think about it, um, you know, really when social media began to come into prominence in um, 2008, 2009, LinkedIn became a big thing, Facebook, right? MySpace kind of died away. Other platforms have come along and, and we had giving days, right? So that was a yeah. huge program that kind of changed the way that universities think about digital engagement. But so how do you feel this aspect of the work has evolved over the last few years since COVID? I mean, obviously, we everything was digital for a little yeah, for a couple yeah. of years there, right? And so do you think we've evolved? Or have we kind of gone backwards now that we're a couple of years out from it? Yeah, I think we have evolved significantly from I, I use 03 as sort of the starting point when I think that's when Facebook sort of went to its, you didn't have to have a .edu address to have a Facebook account. And from that point on, we saw, I think, you know, rising evolution and improvements in this kind of work up through the pandemic. And then with the pandemic, it just took off. And then coming out of the pandemic, what you and I have talked about is that 
we're seeing people go back to the old pre-pandemic ways and that digital is no longer a part of the strategy. It's, it's let's get everybody in person. And I don't think it's something that we should abandon, but I don't think we should stay wholesale in either. So I, I do think we've taken a step back industry-wide. I think there's exceptions at each, at, at examples of schools where there's exceptions. Um, curious to see how Kim thinks about it at, at, at Syracuse. But I think as an industry, we've taken a step backwards and, and relying too much on the old analog in-person stuff. So I'm, I'm ready for more digital innovation. And I hope it's not a pandemic that takes it, <laughs> gets us there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. It's been interesting how it, everything was so digital and we were talking about things like hybrid, exactly. right? So we were using terms like everything's, you know, we're going to, everything's going to be both digital and in person and we're going to have, you know, um, and lots of things have kind of changed and, and I think circled back to the way things were pre-COVID in, in many ways, but in other ways not. So, but let's talk to Kim about it. She's our, she's the, uh, an expert in the space. Hey, Kim, how's it going? Hi, guys. So good. How are you? Awesome. It's so great to have you on Alumless with us. Kim is the executive director of digital engagement at Syracuse University, specifically in the Office of Alumni Engagement and Annual Giving, which recently became one team, which we're going to talk about. Uh, Yeah. So let's get to so many places we could start the conversation. Um, But I thought a good place to start would be a bit more about your role at Syracuse, how you're situated organizationally, and and what maybe are some of your primary responsibilities. Well, first, I am ultra flattered by being named to the Mount Rushmore of digital engagement. That was super (laughs) nice. I was texting the sculptor to see when he could start the build. Um, I, I No, I really appreciate that. So I... Uh, joined the alumni engagement team in 2015, uh, was really our first communications role within the office. And uh, my leader at the time um, saw that this was kind of a a need, uh, a huge need, and that it wasn't just about your traditional forms of engagement, but more so about how do we connect alumni who are not necessarily on this campus or living anywhere nearby, and how do we make sure that they stay Uh, Forever Orange is the name of our campaign that we're currently in. So I am executive director of digital engagement until a few months ago. It was just for the Office of Alumni Engagement. Uh, But we have since welcomed the philanthropic engagement team to our team. So now it's annual giving um, as well. And so my day to day, I I build a lot of emails um, from day to day. I also you know, when a school or college says, can we send an all alumni invite to our cocktail hour in Toronto for the film festival? I'm like, okay, slow down. Let's uh, let's think about the audience for that email. So I help um, with a lot of the strategy for who's being invited to things and, and kind of how we're using our digital tools to ensure that alumni, parents, friends, you know, you name it, stay connected to Syracuse. So every day is different, which I like. Having been a news reporter where every day was very different. Uh, it's nice to be in this role where things are constantly evolving. Yeah. I think the last time we, we talked, um, maybe a couple of times, but I remember how much you were gearing up for the giving day that you had and boost cues. Right. And I think you were talking about live streams all day long and, you know, content creation and a really significant operation, substantial amount of effort. But what so what do you wish people knew or understood about the importance of digital engagement and advancement? The first thing that came to mind for me in thinking about this was that digital engagement is a lot more than social. I'm not just a girl who tweets a lot at events or X. Although you are good at tweeting. <laughs> Thank you. Xing, you yeah. mean. Xing, uh, or yeah. we say these? I don't know. Xing yeah. at events. Um that Still it's, Twitter, just, it, I mean. it's so much more than that. Like yeah. Everything we're doing from an event registration, that's digital. From the net promoter score that we're sending out after events, that's digital. From the you know Instagram Live that we're doing, we just did our Q's 50 awards. And you should have seen, I was handling these awards solo, trying to do an Instagram story. They're going so quick through 50 award winners. And I'm trying so hard to tag every one of their companies. And I just gave up. And so when the awards ended, I ended up finishing the, uh, the Instagram story. But of course, that's social. But there's so much more that goes into um, digital engagement. And it's the way people interact now. Like, think about it. When you wake up in the morning, do you, I mean, hopefully you, you, you know, say hi to your wife. That's in person. But other than that, yeah. maybe, right? I know. <laughs> You know, but you're you're scrolling through social, you're checking your email, you're seeing what Black Friday deals are coming. You're just so 
online. And if we're not online, then our alumni are like, what are you doing? And um, so I hope that people realize that it's also a lot cheaper to do digital engagement for the most part. Obviously, platforms cost money, but, you know, doing a virtual event, it's obviously open to a lot more people when you're doing things um, digital and you can have attendance numbers that I don't think you would get uh, with in-person engagement. And so that's, that's a big piece for me. I just, I think a lot about, you know, you mentioned COVID. Um, When we had only digital during COVID, 40% of our event attendees had never done anything with Syracuse before, ever. It was their first alumni engagement event. And they did it because they could sit in their cozy jammies and they could participate (laughs) with Syracuse University. And I will say personally, we kind of remember what we did during COVID, but we have our events, people chomping at the bit to get out on the road and do these in-person programs. And I feel like I'm always chirping in the back, like, well, what about this? Let's not forget. Can we do this? Um, And so I'm going to keep trying to remind people that digital really is a crucial part of our strategy. You you mentioned... Go ahead, Ryan. Sure. I was just, I, I sort of feel the same way. And I kind of remember back when, you know, when I was in a similar role, Kim, when I <laughs> could have convinced my boss and the team that digital was important for many years, right? And it was the key to awareness, key to activation, key to getting people to participate who never had before, moving them along. COVID came, everyone's like, digital. And then it's kind of right back to, well, we do the in-person thing and in-person is more valuable than digital. And I think you can make a pretty reasonable case that that's true and advancements about relationships. But I think you could make a pretty compelling case that it's not that digital is far more important as because it reflects the entry point, the front door in many respects. But sorry, Chris, you had a... No, no, I, I, I love what you said. I mean, what reminded me of a some of the data that I saw coming out during the pandemic is that the breadth, what you just cited in terms of new engagement acts that we didn't see 40% of our audience first time, diverse people. I mean, you go right down the line, the, the impact that it had. And I would say that I believe that the digital um, necessity we had put in place over the pandemic created breadth of engagement. We saw a lot more people come under the tent. I, I worried, I didn't have any data to show, but what would it be for the depth of engagement, which is often built from the in-person face-to-face relationship. So I'm sure, sure we'll see that as time will tell, but uh, so you, you cited some data points already and you, uh, you talked about NPS in your answer before. What are the most important metrics that you look at from a digital engagement standpoint? How do you measure the success of the work you do? You know, I think a lot of um, folks will get caught up in likes and and how did it do? Right. You know, like, oh, how many people? How many people saw our video? Well, Facebook is really good at making you feel really good about yourself, <laughs> but right, like some of the views on these videos, you're like, what? <laughs> the views actually equal engagement? Absolutely not. Likes a little bit better. Comments, absolutely. And of course, I'm talking social now. I'll get into some other pieces, but we look a lot at, you know, not necessarily those smaller metrics, but really when we put Facebook ads out into the market, what are the click-through rates? Like Facebook will tell us these massive, huge numbers of the the impressions on this ad. Well, how many people actually clicked and and did something with that ad? What is your engagement rate? And so that's what I, and I will be the first to admit that we have a tremendous member of our team named Addie who came over on the philanthropic engagement side. And Addie is like, she lives and breathes this stuff. And so Addie has been really great at taking a look at some of our engagement metrics uh, when it comes to social media. And that's been huge for our team. You know, we look at the net promoter score and how people are filling that out after events and, and determining whether, you know, is this an event that we want to keep doing? Or is this something that, that was not a home run that we may need to to stop doing. And I will say we have to do better at that, actually paying attention to what the net promoter score surveys have told us and not just saying like, okay, did the event, let's do it again, no matter what the survey says. Um, So I think survey feedback is really important. Um, And I, you know, to me, the anecdotal metrics are really important too. The one alum who comments on a post who says, because of Syracuse University, I felt supported to XXX, and I wouldn't be where I am without Syracuse University. That's a comment that he may not walk up to you at a cocktail party and be like, I'm here because blah, blah, blah. But on social, like they, they will share things with you that can really open the door for the kind of engagement that will lead to 
long-term connection and eventually long-term philanthropy. Like I always look at our engagement metrics as like, you know, a step in the door. What, what are these people interested in? And if they're going to show up at a cocktail party and you've done digital engagement really well, they're going to know what's going on at Syracuse university. They're going to know what's important. They're going to feel like they've, they've been connected, even if they haven't come out of their houses for five years, (laughs) because we've done a good job on digital. And that's what I kind of always have in the back of my mind. Um, in terms of what we're putting out there into the the online space. Ryan, Particularly if we ask people questions, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Chris, I don't know. We always use the saying when we, when we often work with clients is we want to, you want to be talking with your alumni, not at them. Right. And I think that has a lot to do with the next question is about kind of how to use social media to communicate effectively with alumni and donors. But I often feel like teams do posts that are designed to get people a direct conversion, right? Where sign up for this thing, make this gift. Or there's a post that says, okay, watch this video or read this article, right? And neither of those things are you able to actually measure at the individual level. Now you are actually, because if you have tools like Oracle, Eloqua, or Salesforce Marketing Cloud, right? You can actually see the individuals who are looking at your content. However, like when you ask people questions on social media and prompt them to comment, then that is a re- like that is a real sort of engagement activity that sh- we ought to be tracking if we can. It's kind of hard to wrap our arms around it. Mm-hmm. But so what are your observations, Kim, around um, the way in which social media should play a role in engaging alumni and donors? And, and when teams are underachieving when it comes to digital engagement on social, what are they likely doing? putting a lot of content out there and never responding. And it drives me banana. And it happens within our team as well, because we all we all go a million different directions. I'm hoping now that we have a few more hands on deck, we can be better about this, but we'll launch ads into the world and there will be comments on those ads and we just never get to them. That is a huge mistake. Like I'll own it. We have to get better at actually engaging. What is it? It's digital engagement. It's not digital putting stuff out there and hoping that it hits. It's engaging with the people who are finding our content online. And so I think that's the biggest mistake, putting the content out there and then forgetting to go back to it. Be a voice, like get on there, even if it's you as a a team member, if it's you as the voice of whatever brand it is that you're representing answer people who ask questions, say to them, you know, when they say Syracuse was the best four years of my life, say, what made you say that? Who is the professor? Like engage a little bit. And I think that's really where you'll start to see rewards because people will then come back. They'll know there's somebody who's looking at that content on the other side of the, of the computer. Um, And I think that's really important for, for teams to remember. And it's hard because we all do a million different things right. and I think it's worth it. It's, you know, I was going to ask you a question about scaling this because even at a small liberal arts college mm-hmm. with 25,000 alumni, what you just said is hard to do. You throw in the Syracuse, right? A very complex, large centralized yeah. university with how many alumni? Yeah. 250,000 traditional. Quarter million alumni in, in the traditional sense. Right. Um, how do you scale that kind of engagement and response? Is it, is it even possible? I think it is if you devote time to it. And that's what I'm thinking about in the new year. And really with more people, uh, if you carve, literally carve out time on the calendar to say, I'm going to spend, you know, 30 minutes every morning when I get in, not even that 15 minutes, just seeing what came in overnight. And there will be times when it's high traffic. Um, when your football team is not doing well, a lot of people have a lot of things to say. Um, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> there's there's ebbs and flows. That's a hypothetical, though, right? The volume. <laughs> Although they won this past weekend, which I was know, very so. exciting at Yankee <laughs> Stadium. That was great. Um, and then don't be afraid, too. I think sometimes students get a bad rap, our student workers in our office or interns or things like that. We have a phenomenal communications intern within the Office of Alumni Engagement and Annual Giving. She's getting incredible experience. She was the one who, when I gave up on the Instagram story, she was like, let me just do it. She was so much, and I'm not that old or slow. She was so (laughs) much faster. She's, you know, tagging left and right. She's like, this is their world. And think about the experience that they can get. And then you're also able to take a little bit off of your plate. If you're able to entrust a, a student 
um, to get. And I am not about free labor in any way, shape, or form. We have a fabulous paid student intern who's getting tremendous experience yeah. and is yeah. good at what she does. Um, so shout out to Laura, because I don't know what we would do without her. She helps us with emails, with our social, you know, just a lot of a lot of different pieces. So yeah, yeah. students are definitely critical mm -hmm. in helping to keep track of who those people are that are commenting, that are engaging with our posts on social media. And I think, you know, to the point though, about how do we do this? Like we really don't have anyone in our on our teams that are deployed as a community manager. No. Right. Like there are, we, we do a lot of marketing and communication, right? We do engagement, but we don't do a lot of ongoing dialogue with our alumni, a person whose job it is to stimulate conversations on the web, whether that's in a platform on social media or elsewhere. But so you, you mentioned some of your thinking about for next year, what are you, what do you see as the most significant opportunities for teams uh, enhancing digital engagement through tools that are available? So you're going to think this is planted because they're one of our sponsors, but we are absolutely all about Protopia. And I'm not just saying that because there's, they're a uh, sponsor of the show. We are really looking at how, and specifically, how can AI help the work that we are doing in the world of alumni engagement and annual giving? And so for us, Protopia is one that we're actively reviewing right now. It will help us scale engagement in a huge way. Um, but I'm also, you know, I hear other colleagues at other schools who are using ChatGPT to take some of the workload off who are, you know, yes, I can use ChatGPT to figure out a butternut squash soup that doesn't have onion because my, my husband hates them. But I could also use ChatGPT, you know, for writing a quick story about an upcoming event. The amount of time that that takes off of our plates is absolutely incredible. And so that's where I'm looking. Um, yeah. I I just, I feel so behind and I hate feeling behind, but that's, you know, as 2024 approaches, I'm really looking at how AI will change our world and what is the, what are the implications of AI? Cause I think schools need to look at that um, as well. We're also thinking, I don't know if this is kind of off topic, but um, we, we were texting a lot at Syracuse university and then we had to pull back because of some legal changes to the way texting works. We're going to start an opt-in campaign from alumni who really want to hear from us through texting. You know, and I hear from our students, from Laura and from others that we just speak with, like, that's how we're used to getting messages now. It's so quick. It's so, and I know texting is not new, but I think for us really formulating a texting strategy, not texting about every event, not texting about every, you know, giving opportunity, making sure that we're not only texting when it's time to give, um, I'm really looking at that for next year as well. So being a better engager on social, texting, a really solid strategy for how we use it, and then really keeping an eye on AI um, and its implications. Well, Max will be very pleased to hear that you're uh, exploring. <laughs> no, like, I, and look, you know, I've worked for Protopia the last couple of years. I find it to be immensely exciting. You know, we wouldn't have a partner helping sponsor our alum list that we didn't believe in. And so... I think everyone should should check it out. Look, it should be on your radar if you're looking for top of funnel engagement and a way to scale volunteerism. It may not be the right time, but everyone should have a look at it. I mean, we talked yesterday about utilizing alumni more in the admissions process. So this is a big deal for schools and colleges now um, as things change in terms of the way the whole admissions process works, what you can and can ask on can can and cannot ask on applications. So really thinking about getting alumni more involved in the process, that is a huge program to do at scale. Is this something that a Protopia or another similar tool could help with where that's another form of engagement and it's happening digitally? If you're going to have alumni reaching out to prospective students, I don't think they're going to handwrite a letter and mail it to their house. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I the remember the card method, right? The, I don't know, even think a lot of folks know how to address letters these days. Yeah. You know, email is well, the way to go, but or write with actual legible, you know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my handwriting has gone way down in the last several years, and I think I'm getting carpal tunnel in this thumb because I'm constantly <laughs> texting and tweeting and Instagram storying. But anyway. That's uh, neither here nor there. Um, well, we've got a couple minutes left of the live show, and that always goes really fast. But before we, that uh, went so break, fast. how is it twelve? I know, 
Before we break and, and record our bonus section, I want to talk a little bit about the new partnership that we have with you, Kim, and we're really excited about it. A couple more things to nail down, but we're getting much, much closer, I think. And maybe you could just sort of share some of the conversations we've been having, how you're thinking about helping us get the word out about Alumnus and CMEC. Yeah, I, I go first. Sure. I, I'm, really? I'm super you say excited. something wrong, we'll chime in, you know. I am. I am. <laughs> well, at first you, you were, you know, you reached out and I was like, uh, I'm a mom of a three-year-old and how am I going to do? But I think this is going to be so exciting because it's going to get me back into LinkedIn a lot more. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn uh, a lot, but really utilizing LinkedIn um, really helping to get the word out on something I believe in. Ryan, you and I go way back like years. I feel like you've been my go-to person for bouncing ideas off. We were, I was just um, thinking about November, 2019, right before everything ended. We were in Atlanta for the Case Alumni Engagement Strategies Conference, faculty for that. How in the world we're now November, 2023, <laughs> four years later, I, I got nothing. Like I now have a three and a half year old and at that I had just found out I was expecting, but yep. that's how life happens. So um, I'm, I'm excited to help with the newsletter, to help with the LinkedIn engagement and to really ensure folks know about um, not only CMAC, but alumnus, the podcast specifically, because there's great content. I learned so much. I learned so much from listening to podcasts. My 25 minute commute every day has a different podcast on it. So I'm hoping I can be helpful to you um, and keep my thumbs active, not only for my <laughs> personal accounts, the alumni accounts, but now uh, CMAX work as well. Awesome. Chris, yeah. how are you feeling about adding Kim to the team? Um, there's no single word that I could, I mean, ecstatic, I mean, probably the right word I'd put out there. It's going to be um, a game changer. There's another good word, game changer for us. And in terms of how, and Ryan, just Kim, you need to know the little behind the scenes here. Ryan's been pushing me on this kind of thinking to go bigger and and, and go broader and, and do the things that we need to do to grow as a company. And um, this is a one of the first steps we're taking in this regard that's going to I think get our content out more regularly and allow us to expand the operation and get the name and the brand, all that uh, will be built through this effort. So I love that it's you. Let's, let's be clear to our viewers, listeners, that you are not leaving your job at Syracuse. You no. are still full time at Syracuse. And in a couple hours a month, you're going to be spending with us. You're going to help change the world for CMAC. <laughs> no, no That's what I'm most looking forward to, Ryan. <laughs> no pressure. Wow. Uh, well, I'm incredibly excited, Kim. I've you know had the, wanted to work with you in some capacity over the years. Whenever I've had opportunities, uh, whether it's hey, um, Kim, you want to go to Australia and you know work with uh, Case Asia Pacific or you know whatever it is, I, I think of you first. And so this is. A chance for us to to partner up, and I, I think this is just the beginning. As Chris said, there's opportunities, you know, to to grow the content uh, that we've that thinking about, and you know, provide more value because I think you know, we've gotten great feedback on the value that teams are finding with this show, and you know, some teams planning their staff meetings around it or showing portions of alumnus during their staff meetings and talking about it. We get great, you know, feedback about it whenever we go to conferences, and we've gotten some some new business from it, even or at yeah. least some some proposals. And so I feel like it's it's working for us. It's working for you know our friends across the field. And um, I think you know Chris and I really love this stuff, right? I think you do too. And yeah. so I think that that's what's the most fun about it is we get to talk about stuff that we really enjoy day in and day out. All right. Well, we're going to have another 30 minutes with Kim. Maybe not quite 30 minutes because Chris has got to hop off and do yeah. a new business call with uh, an exciting new client, which is fantastic. But we will continue the conversation with Kim uh, on the podcast edition. So if you're not a subscriber and you're listening to this on LinkedIn or on YouTube, definitely be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And we'll be back on December the 8th with Rod Grabowski, who's the cool. Senior Vice President for uh, Advancement at the University of Central Florida. Uh, coming up in, I guess, two weeks after the holiday. Yep. All right. Thanks, well, Great to have thanks you. for listening, Kim. Thanks for joining us on the live Thank show. You. Thanks for everyone for listening and um, exciting things to come. All right, everybody. See you later. Bye. Hey, listeners. Chris and I were going to record an ad discussing all the great aspects of Protopia, of which there are many. But instead, we thought it would be even better to hear from one of Protopia's current partners. 
Here's Sally Sistar, Executive Director of Alumni Engagement at Denison University, talking about her experience with the technology. If you like what you hear, be sure to go to protopia.co forward slash alumnus and check it out. How do you see Protopia fitting into your plans? You mentioned a few ways that I might imagine it fitting in, but what do you think? It's a tremendous fit. Listen, I cannot tell you how excited I was when I took this job to know that they already had Protopia, right? It's a very, very smart decision. Um, because one, it just, you know, it with the AI technology enabled, like it takes us out of the equation, right? It is really a great tool for alumni and students to ask those questions and be connected to, you know, the the top experts, right, or the top individuals to answer those questions for them. Um, what I've been really excited to hear about here at Denison is, you know, if that question goes to five alumni, well, all five of our graduates are answering. And then it gets into, you know, like um, a train of communications between them and the individual asking the question. So it's really facilitating community for us in a way that we couldn't do that ourselves if we were at the helm of trying to you know facilitate someone's question going to those individuals right it's just it's automatic and that's the beauty of it um the other thing i would say to you is that it is also it's bringing people into um it's engaging alumni that may not have engaged with us in any other way right but they really are appreciative that you know they get an opportunity to to help another alumni um, member or help a student um so i just i mean i can't say enough great things about what a difference maker that has been for us on the engagement level All right, we are back with Kim Infanti. Uh, Kim is the Executive Director of Digital Engagement in the Office of Alumni Engagement and Annual Giving at Syracuse University. And we're excited to have Kim on the show. We just revealed that Kim will be joining the CMAC team part-time as our Senior Advisor of Digital, which we need some senior advice. So um, <laughs> we're excited to have you involved. And really what we're going to be doing is try to in increase our presence on LinkedIn, get some more followers, get a newsletter up and running, all of that, kind of develop a little bit more infrastructure because... Um, our, our my favorite uh, CEO of the business wasn't all that dialed into publishing on LinkedIn, you know. <laughs> and um, so we're so we're going to continue to try to improve that. Love but um, you know, speaking of LinkedIn, you know, Kim, you and I first got in touch. I remember it actually. I was working at Washington and Lee University, and you at the time. So this was like back in 2010, 11, somewhere in there. And at the time, you, word had gotten out that you and the team at Syracuse had cracked the code on LinkedIn groups, right? So, you know, as an avenue to connect students with alumni in LinkedIn groups. And I think it's fair to say there's been some ups and downs uh, mm -hmm. in that yeah. respect, mostly a lot of downs in the last several years. But for a while there, that was kind of a really important um, new initiative that lots of schools were working on. I suspect you had a lot of calls like the one you had with with me and the team at Washington and Lee, where you were talking about your method there. So, um, what do you think about LinkedIn now as a resource? You know, I mean, I think there, I I like LinkedIn now for how it's used as like the professional Facebook. Like, I love reading that. There was remember like there was never a feed that you read in LinkedIn that you yeah. saw everyone's updates or articles they're sharing. Like, I love that. And I think if you're, you know, not doing your scroll every morning of LinkedIn, just to see what folks are talking about, you're definitely um, missing out on a lot of great conversation. Would I like miss it and then go back through and I'm like, wait, what? I didn't know that. No way. You know, you find out a lot of, uh, a lot of professional tea, I, I guess I'd say um, on LinkedIn. But I also think there's a place for, you know, the alumni tool still exists. It's very hard to find it, but it is still there. When I tell students they can find it, they can figure out who's working in what city and for what company. It's not as easy to message anymore, to search anymore, to search <laughs> groups. But 
there's definitely still a place for it. Um, and there's still a place for strong LinkedIn profiles, because I think when you're applying to positions, you're certainly, you know, sharing your LinkedIn profile and folks are finding you that way and just kind of learning more about your story. So I love LinkedIn. I loved, you know, those days of the Q's Connect group, the, we did that working orange Twitter account where we had alumni, you know, tweet a day in the life of their companies. I still think there's a place like I'd love to do. I was mentioning, you know, earlier in the show that we were talking to admissions about how do we better incorporate alumni into the admissions process? And is there a way where alumni take over, you know, an Instagram handle and kind of share their Syracuse experience and how it led to their career. And we save each of those as a highlight reel. And then prospective students can go and they can hear these alumni talk about their Syracuse story. And I'm literally inventing this as I speak, you know, at my Syracuse story. And it mm-hmm. becomes an Instagram handle that's all about how alumni have used uh, their Syracuse education. Trademark that. Um, anyway, I just... potential um there so sorry i got off the linkedin train but in terms of like professional career connections through link through linkedin or through social i think there's still absolutely a place for for all of those things there was uh, just Chris before you sort of hop in here. I was noting um, when we looked at some recent case award winners. I think it was the School of Public Policy at Johns Hopkins University won a case award for getting their recent graduates to record short videos on their iPhones or whatever, and then they use ThankView, you know, whatever true platform oh, to send those videos to the prospective students that have been accepted. And they found that not only were the alumni who were filming those videos, that was maybe a first active engagement for many of them. I had a nice bridge, right, from after they've just graduated to doing something as a volunteer. But the yield on the students who got those um, personalized videos was quite a bit higher. So uh, there's definitely some interesting examples. Now, that doesn't use social media, but digital, right? Digital Digital engagement, digital volunteerism certainly plenty of opportunities to think kind of outside the box there. I think people love to talk about themselves. Like we've, we've long talked, it's been, you know, my dream probably since 2010, how are we going to revamp the class notes section of our website, which right now is an abysmal disaster. And I hate it every time I have to look at log in in order to see the class notes that are in there. <laughs> um, yeah, let me tell you how I really feel about that. This is a podcast, right? I can, I can, I can yeah. be real at this point. You can, um, you can swear whatever you want. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> so I just, I would love a robust place where people could go on and look through photos and see the new baby and see the wedding picture. And Clemson has it. I hate to give shout out to another school that's orange, but Clemson, they've had tiger notes for years. I feel like, again, we're so behind and I hate that. Um, but that's another huge digital engagement tool. And then, you know, can people make connections through that right now? Our alumni community, Jesus Christmas is behind a login. You need an alumni ID to get in there. Nobody has a clue what their alumni ID is. We get bajillions of emails about it. Like we have reset to my it- password, reset my <laughs> password. Yes. Oh, we God. have to make it easier and it makes me nuts. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah, right. That was a, that was a trigger question. Got a whole bunch of flashbacks come tripping through there. That was wild. yeah. <laughs> well, it's it just it was really kind of the some of the flaws with LinkedIn that led to the rise of login based platforms, right? I mean, it was really if if LinkedIn solved all the needs and gave us all the data that we needed to sort of track engagement on our stakeholders, and that would not have provided the market space for technology like Graduate or People Grove or Hybrid or Aluminati or Alumni Fire or Alma Base, right? Or there's you know a dozen of them that really kind of were evolved in that moment when universities were trying to provide access to the alumni network, right? right. Into that, but to those exchanges, but all that required a login. And um, I think over the course of the last 10 years, we've, re- we've realized that there's only so many people who are going to ever log in and they log in and they don't come back again, right? So it's, it's a really d- a digital engagement conundrum that we've been fighting across the country, right? So yeah. it's sort of an interesting thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. So, who, who's I think I'm up next, but <laughs> I'll keep my own question up here. So we we have gotten many clients asking us about sort of the model that you're in, Kim. And what's what's the 
future look like? How did we get to your kind of a role existing in the first place? Let me let me start with kind of an industry wide and love to hear Syracuse version of it. But so w- what I see happening across our industry is this f- increased integration between all advancement functions. But the old model, if you think about the old model, the alumni engagement sat over here and fundraising sat over here and they built their own universes, right? And they, that included things like IT, HR, but a big one, communications that did advancement. Commun- and then the alumni team was building, and sometimes their separate independent alumni association is building their own HR, IT, and communications teams. And as over the 22 years I've been in the industry, I've seen those silos start to fall down and, and increasingly blending into what we call an integrated advancement model. And of course, then people are asking the questions. If you're, you have a communication team over here and a communication team over here and you put them together, what does that look like? And mm-hmm. how do they tackle this challenge that we have around engagement and giving simultaneously? And I think it's the right move for our industry, frankly, um, how it plays out and how each individual school is going to come down to their own culture, their size, yeah. their scale and the complexities with it. So I, I think we're seeing things like alumni engagement, annual giving come mm-hmm. together in a lot of places. And in a few other places, you're throwing in sometimes advancement wide communications, sometimes a piece of the communications like in Syracuse. And in other places, you're seeing donor relations and stewardship come into that fold as well, because they're thinking about that broad audience yeah. at the sa- in the same way. So that's what I think has been a catalyst to kind of move people, move schools into this model. Where's it, how's it, how did it evolve at Syracuse? And I, we, you told us kind of where you are now, but what was the, the is, can you share any of the backstory of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, it's hard to think that we, like, why did anyone ever think it was a good idea to do it separately? That's that's crazy to me. Yet yeah. there are still models came out there where they are very separate. <laughs> I, re- I remember when I was at UVA, Kim, not before you get started, and the head of the alumni association at the time commented on a post that I made on LinkedIn where I was talking about, you know, how we ought to be thinking about engagement and giving as another way to engage. He wrote on that comment, you know, never engagement will is never going to be a shill, some shill for fundraising. Right. That, that was the word I remember him using was shill. And, you know, it's always going to be some other, you know, um, separate and apart from philanthropy. And that was in 2010 or maybe 2012, right? When, and it was know, already it was, happening at that it point. It was already <laughs> happening. Like we were already starting to integrate, but sorry, Kim, like, how do you, how do you no, see it? No, I just, you know, I, the, the running joke when I'm in a meeting is that, you know, as Kim and Fondy would say, we're talking to the same audience. Like, right, exactly. Put it on my head. To, we're talking to the same audience. And, and, and they don't care about the titles and, and names no. of departments and anything else. <laughs> the worst is when we send out an email, you know, sponsored by the, and then it's a laundry list of all the different offices and departments within the university that are sponsoring. Syracuse Nobody university. cares. It's Syracuse <laughs> University. I'm sorry. This is KB unhinged. Um, anyway, I'll always be KB, Kim Brown, my maiden name. But anyway, um, I I definitely got distracted there. I, I think that I can't believe that it used to, like it was okay to be separate and, and there are still shops that are separate. And I think eventually we're going to see all of them start to come together. I will be completely transparent. When you've had a communications team in annual giving and you've had a communications team in alumni engagement, you have to work really hard to now become one unit communicating one unified message and we're still working on that and making sure every no one feels threatened there's plenty of work to go around we're just trying to make sure that we're sending out a cadence of messaging that feels cohesive to the audience that's receiving it and that if chris went to syracuse he's not getting a random call through our syracuse connects program which is formerly our telephone and then getting a follow-up text message, and then getting an email, and then he might get a different... I mean, we have to have a better plan when it comes to alumni receiving, parents receiving, friends receiving our communications, so that even if we might not have our shit fully together, we look like we do. Um, and that's that's what keeps me up at night, just really trying to make sure that we are in lockstep when it comes to this cadence of communications and not sending one event invite on a Tuesday and then 
Wednesday, you're sending one that's totally in conflict with that event. Like we had, we had, oh gosh, in Boston, it was like two weeks ago. We had three different events for three different schools and colleges happening in a span of two days in Boston. And they were open to all alumni. Like they were it hosted. It happened to me when I was at Cornell in San Francisco and it was mortifyingly embarrassing. Yeah. And yeah. like, oh gosh, let's talk to each other. Like, let's yep. think about that. Let's do one event with the three schools and invite all the people and we'll all have more people in the room. Right. Won't that benefit everybody? Um, Amen. Amen. So anyway, that's uh, that's a big thing that I think about. It's a big one. Um, I've got a client strongly about that little, I can hear some passion, some passion there. <laughs> throw out the get your shit together comment without me saying it first. So I appreciate that. Right, well, you told me I was on a podcast. I could say a bad word. So there you go. <laughs> we often play that role of helping clients get their shit together. That's kind of our, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, um, speaking of, of that, um, I've got a client that, we work with and you know we we did sort of an assessment on their communications and really what we were able to determine is all they're doing is asking even their engagement communications are asking right it's you know do you want to make a gift do you want to come to this event do you want to sign up for this thing you know and and so but there's another sort of type of communication another type of engagement communication where you're providing Right. right. You're, you're not asking, you're giving, right. It's, it's providing this back and forth so that you can ask more often, honestly, yeah. like if you're providing more regularly, then you're able to ask more regularly, right. I think. And, and our friend, Ashley, Bud, we talked about Cornell, um, you know, they do, she's really, uh, one of the foremost thinkers in this area and another name for the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I was going to say, you yeah. have to put Ashley on there too. Ashley, yeah. I have to put Ashley with, with Andrew up on the Mount Rushmore for sure. But how are you thinking about sort of this interesting challenge of sending the right amount of asking and providing, right, yeah. when it comes to your your engagement? I think, and again, I think we did a better job of it during COVID, and we need to get back to doing a better job of it now. Like when we had to turn our entire 150th sesquicentennial celebration, had to go from being an in-person extravaganza to only social media we did an awesome job at really giving people things to feel excited about giving them a, I think it was a, gosh, I can't even remember the name, orange night in. We gave them a whole digital kit of things to do at home, give, give, right? Not just take, not just ask. We gave them a auto birthday banner to decorate at home with the kids, a very similar idea to some of the things that Ashley and the Cornell team have done. So I'm, I'm really looking at how do we take our alumni communications right now to more of a Cornell email strategy where they kind of give them something fun at the beginning, ask them what they need them to do, end with something fun, really being more thoughtful about that. And again, in the spirit of full disclosure, I don't think we're there yet, but I think we've gone through some major changes in terms of bringing annual giving in. We're yeah, talking a lot about the text messaging that I mentioned we can't have that first text that alumni receive after they opt in. We cannot have it be an ask for, you know, we call it Giving Tuesday, Giving Tuesday. No, we've just we've just got them to raise their hand and say they want to hear from us. Pretty 100% positive that they don't want the first thing to be a solicit. So what is it that we'll give it? Is it a, you know, out of the turkey cutout that they can do um, with their children or something like that? So it's, it's more prevalent in our conversations recently um, now that we've become one team. Yeah. So. I definitely think that one of the under challenges that teams face is the problem of having staff to do some of this stuff, yeah. right? And we started helping teams by using Upwork and Fiverr right now to hire freelancers to actually create some of these down digital downloads or some of these more fun things that you just yeah. can't get your staff working on those things you got to kind of outsource it and but you can't you don't want to hire a full-time person right so you could hire people in these kind of a gig-based economy and i think we'll see more and more of that as schools start thinking well how do i do that with i don't have any more staff to put on that you know how do we still help teams create some of those more delightable uh you know using good graphic design because there's just thousands of designers out there right just looking right. for some work to do and um yeah anyway yeah, we've got to do better thinking about that. I think we're, I think we're getting better. I think we just uh, need to always have it. 
so many times I I f- find myself saying either A, we're talking to the same audience or like, can we just consider the audience here and not us? Like so much of what we do is so selfish. Like yep, yep. it's so selfish. It's Does this really matter whether they need to, I, I don't know. I don't have a great example coming to the forefront or, you know, are we, are we pleasing the partners that we work with? Or are we pleasing the alumni who are going to come to this or the parents who are going to come to this or that, it, you know, the example about laundry listing every department that sponsored this program, right. the people attending just, they don't care. And they don't need to hear from the 17 people who were part of planning the event. Like they just see Syracuse university. And I still don't think we're hundred percent. I know we're not hundred yeah, percent. I, I think leading with the value in it for the audience. Is yeah. What's in it for them? Not what's for in us. it for me? What's in it for them? If you're thinking of it from mm-hmm. the alumni side, we, you can't just lead out with, you know, come to this event or would you, would you come to this event without saying, here's why, you know, you can't miss this event. So it's going to add this to your, whatever it might be, add this kind of value. Giving well, day question, Ryan. I'm sorry, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask that, and it's really I was just going to say some of the brands out there, our everyday brands in our lives, do this so well, right? Uh, um, you make you make a purchase, and then they're like, "Let me give you this other gift of content," and you, you open yeah. it up, and it's just an email with a video, and it's like a gift of content, you know. But it's it's just another way of thinking about engagement and you know providing rather than asking all the time, yeah. and they have yeah. to be working together. Building loyalty and trust, right? Like I, I ordered Little Spoon for my my son when he was smaller, and Little Spoon puts out great content on their blog, on their Instagram, and like that makes me feel more loyal to them. It makes me trust them, and and that's that's what we need to build with our schools in order to have alumni to support us, right? It's it's loyalty and it's trust, and I don't know. That's kind of where my head's at too. My my one last thing on this round before you shift is that. A lot of people ask the question, how do I have time to build that content? And we often go to students or graphic design work, you know, your suggestions and the outsourcing. What do they get? Fiverr and in Upwork. Upwork. Yeah. Right. I mean, like I'm, I've got three different clients using Upwork through us right now. Low cost, great quality, uh, yeah. and and unlimited in terms of scale. Unlimited. Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, but there are, you know there's lots of ways to think about approaching this. And I had a really good idea. This just left my head, but it'll come back to me. Um, let's go back onto the next question. It'll come back. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, we've talked about giving day a couple of times, and I think it's really an important piece of the puzzle, particularly for folks who are doing digital engagement, because it really does reflect perhaps, you know, the signature initiative of the year of which, you know, it probably falls heavily on your shoulders, Kim and others at university in similar roles. Cause this is a, a digital event, right? Yeah. And and so what have you learned about what makes a good giving day from a, a digital engagement perspective? And what have you done over the last few years to kind of strengthen engagement around Boost? It's Boost Cues, right? Is the name boost of the it? Cuse. Boost, boost the Cues. Boost the Cues. Yeah, yeah, Boost the Cues. Um, the hashtag is Boost Cues. I love what we did our first year. Our first year was 10, 17, 17. The numbers 10 plus 17 plus 17 added up to 44, which is Syracuse University's legendary number that all of our big football players War and uh, we sent out a little flat auto, and we had alumni, you know, take photos with this little astronaut auto, um, and really be engaged in the day. I'd love to do something like that again. Last year we did, and it darn near killed me. Sixteen live broadcasts uh, throughout the day, hosted by Scott Hansen, who everybody knows from NFL Red Zone. He was absolutely incredible. Where we messed up. So we had 12,000 live viewers for that day, right? We did not have 12,000 gifts to Syracuse University on that day or 12,000 donors by far. I need to do better at having the person who's hosting those broadcasts engaging with and having there be a back and forth, having him in the chat, talking to the people who are, you know, making their gift, really being more engaging, um, he was so engaging for the viewers, but then didn't engage with the viewers. And so I'd like to do that a little bit more this year, but never again doing 16 different live broadcasts because it was absolutely um, so hard to make everybody happy. But we're talking about a game day vibe for this year's giving day where we'd be in our student center and have like four key hosts like you'd see on college game day. Um and just kind of really focus on the student experience, maybe do three longer shows instead of 16 of them. Um 
and just really have the chat going, have alumni feel like they're really part of the show as opposed to watching the show. I guess that's the best way to, uh, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense as a way. Mm -hmm. And it it makes you feel as an individual watching if I've just made a gift and they've recognized me. Yeah. Like if Scott, Uh, oh, oh, Ryan down in, yeah, Ryan. Thank you so much, Ryan in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks so much. Yeah. Back to Ryan, your comment about talking with versus at. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. So that's what I'm thinking about. We've got a couple minutes left. Chris has got to head out to another meeting. And can I ask one question before I hop before you do? Absolutely. Yeah. My last question, predictions, Kim, what predictions do you have for the digital engagement space that you're going to see coming from other clients or from Syracuse? Uh, a lot more utilization of AI. Uh, mentioned that in our in our first half hour, really looking at how can we use that to level up what we're doing, but also make our work um, a lot more sustainable, manageable. I think I'm, I'm watching that. Um, and I think, I hope, and maybe if I say this in the world, a return to more of our COVID behavior where we really met alumni where they were sitting as opposed to forcing them out of their seats. Because I think that we were still really able to have a lot of people feel connected to Syracuse, even if they weren't physically in a room with us. And so I think I'm going to manifest this, we'll listen to the world, um, that we'll see a lot more of that moving forward. As we close the campaign, we're not going to get 250,000 people to come to Syracuse to a campaign close event. What can we do to have them feel connected to this huge occasion, no matter where they are in the world? Yeah, love it. Love it. Well, I look forward to working with you in the context of CMAC in your upcoming new role. But also, we're going to be working together in the context of Syracuse. So I'll be seeing you and Lauren and the team in other ways along the way. <laughs> thank you for being here. Awesome. And thanks for the time. I'm going to hop, Brian, let you bring it home. Okay. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Chris. Bye, Chris. See you later. You both. Take care. Uh, so can we try to wrap up the show with our Friday cheers section where we yeah. kind of bring to the show something that's on our minds? Could be professional, could be personal. You know, it could be a podcast or a book or an article you've read or an app on your phone or it could be anything. But what's got you what's got you thinking this week? So I cheated. I have three things because I I could not I couldn't pick one, but there are three really quick things. Okay, so number one, I keep this desk calendar on my desk. Okay. Today is November 14th. And today's is don't use more words than necessary to make your point. And that is something that I just, I wish I could plaster that on my head in meetings, like stop talking too many words, make your point, let it go. That's number one thing on my mind. Number two, yesterday was world kindness day. Um, That is like a big thing for me. I posted about it a lot recently on LinkedIn and just the importance of kindness in the workplace, kindness in life, kindness where you work, kindness at home. Um, and just really, I sound like Pollyanna, but I really think that that is so crucial to the work that we do, being genuinely kind. The third thing is as a mom, I appreciate this. As a dad, I think you will as well. I discovered a podcast on my drive home from uh, seeing my parents this weekend. It's called the Read Along With Mom podcast. And it's literally a mom who reads books exactly in the wonderful intonations that you would read them to your children. And when you're driving in the car, the read along with mom podcast will keep your children quiet. So that is my, my write that down because she does a really good job at reading these books uh, to kids while you're on a road trip. That's awesome. Those are great. All great Friday <laughs> cheers. And mine is is about actually getting away from my kids for the oh, first time in nice. um, since pre-COVID. My wife and I took a vacation. We went to St. Bart's together, oh, wow. which is in the French Antilles. We put it on the calendar well more than a year ago. Had my dad and stepmom come stay with our three kids. And um, man, we have just had the best time. It was you know, awesome. We don't really take t- enough time in these whirlwind lives to like the soccer practice and swim lessons and just all the things to sort of just take time to relax with our partners for just, you know, a week if we can make it. I know lots of people don't have, you know, grow- other yeah. grandparents or folks that they can leave their kids with for a short period of time. But if you do and you have the means to take some time and, and go on a vacation, I highly recommend it. It was really recharging. We stayed at this lovely boutique hotel called the Hotel <laughs> Barrier Gustave. It was this wow. boutique hotel, French, 
And um, they were so nice, all the people there. It was really lovely. So take some time off, go somewhere with your partner and um, you know, try to recharge if you can. That's my my Friday cheers. It was kind of hard getting back to the, to to the grind this yeah. week, but it was a great week last week. Awesome. I'm going to take that to heart. I think we're all better in the workplace if we're better about self-care in that home and remembering what really matters. That's been a big thing for me too. Um, you know, family illness in 2019 and just kind of remembering the work we do. It's important work, but it's not all that matters. And that was kind of the perspective I try and bring every day. So I'm going to convince my husband to take me to St. Bart's. There you go. Highly, <laughs> That's right. highly recommend. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Well, that seems like a good place to leave it. Kim and Fonti, thanks so much for your time. Always great to talk with you. I'm looking forward to working with you over the coming months and uh, longer. We'll strategize about how to get more folks listening to the Alumless web series and podcast. And yeah, so um, thanks so much again and for listening. And we'll be back in your feed after Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And we'll be back on December the 8th. See you later. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan.